Hello, welcome to Behind the Music Podcast. I am Bridget Devon, your host, and today I'm very excited to welcome Claudia Homel, the executive director, performer, and a producer of other performances with Working in Concert. And we have Juliana as well, who is their social media and marketing coordinator with Working in Concert. And she also works as an educator and in event in the event space. Uh, Working in Concert is a performing arts collaboration, sharing songs and stories up close and personal, located in Chicago. Uh, Claudia, Juliana, thank you both so much for joining me. A pleasure. Yes. Thanks for having us. Yes. Um, my pleasure. My pleasure. I'm so excited. So to start, can you share with us about yourself and how Working in Concert got started and where it is today? Working in Concert was founded officially four years ago, but came out of a lot of other projects and another organization. My friend Christine Steyer, who's a fabulous opera singer and teacher, had a company called Bellissima Opera as a not-for-profit from about 2010. She was doing a lot of in-the-school, opera-in-the-classroom programs and developing an opera out of this work with, with middle school, high school students' writings. And meanwhile, she had joined my other projects, which included a trip to France for the Chicago Paris Cabaret Connexion Connection. And she proposed at one point that perhaps all of the things that I was doing in Chicago and in France perhaps needed a not-for-profit structure, which was a good idea because there was an awful lot of money going through my personal bank account. <laughs> and we got to talking about what we shared. And a lot of, even though she's doing opera and I'm doing more cabaret, what we share is a love for the storytelling, the truth telling that you can do with song and voice. So that became our mantra, as it were, songs and stories up close and personal. And in her case as well, even though we think of opera as being very grand, her the scale of what she was interested in, continues to be interested in, is the more intimate re response with the audience kind of performance. And also to deal with things that are more relevant than just a bunch of big voices with fancy costumes and hoopla that has less re relevance to what's happening in our world right now. So that's where we came from. And it comes out of decades of work I've done as a cabaret performer and coach to other singers, whether they call themselves jazz singers, folk singers, cabaret, opera, whatever. We like to dig deep into what we're singing about. Mm. So that's how, Absolutely. It, that's how that's that's how it all came together. I love it. And Juliana, would you like to add um, anything to that with your experience with uh, working in concert? Sure. I just see both uh, of Christine and Claudia being very professionally trained and having a high standard and caliber of art, but also the 
um, inclusion and accessibility that art is for everyone. And so sharing many voices, sharing unheard voices, bringing the community closer together through challenging works or things that are familiar and comfortable has just kind of been this overarching importance of um, music and experience for everyone. So their kind of style and yin and yang just come together so nicely in working in concert. That's beautiful. Um, I'd love for you to share what, so for someone who comes to working in concert for the first time, what what's their experience like on day one and as they're with the um, your organization? They're going to come through different portals. We have seven initiatives and they each have their own feel and mission in many ways. So if, if it's opera in the classroom, it might be kids and teachers and school staff meeting up with a, a, a small number of opera singers and other musicians who come and give an introduction to this wonderful world of music that a lot of kids are not familiar with. And, and just being live in a classroom or in a small auditorium with students is a huge event. Um, they're very used to seeing it on a screen. Mm. But being up close and personal with the performers who will go into, you know, who will come very close to you might even touch you, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that, that process. Um, similarly with Cabaret in the Classroom, for years I've brought a program called Souvenirs of Paris 1950, mostly to middle school and high school students, and also most recently the University of Notre Dame, where again, bringing in history, bringing in the characters that we don't tend to think of when we're thinking about the Depression and World War II and all of these official sounding things and how it affects individuals and the songs that reflect that. So that's, uh, so when they come to, I think one of the challenges for us actually is when people are introduced to something that we've done, they don't necessarily think of it as working in concert. They think of it as, oh, I went and saw this cabaret in the classroom or, um, so another initiative is, the Chicago Paris Cabaret Connexion, Connection. And again, this is, uh, you know, one of the questions that we've had to put forward is to help hook what working in concert is as the facilitator to this project that is next up in France. We're going to have a four-day conference and a five-day citywide festival in Paris at the end of August, early September. Oh, wow. Of 2023. And there will be dozens of people from the U.S. and dozens from France getting together, comparing notes, sharing workshops, masterclasses, and letting people know that working in concert is what has made this possible, particularly for the U.S. delegation, helping to raise funds, uh, organize the repertoire and the programming of the workshops and of the festival. All of that is... Um, an important part of what we are. And then, for example, three years ago, almost three years ago now, we were approached by singers who are involved in the Cabaret Connection and have been involved in Song Shop, which is my ongoing song interpretation workshop 
um, a, a group of African-American performers approached and said, could working in concert facilitate a cabaret show that would spotlight Black voices in cabaret? The answer to which is, yes, we can do that, but it's not enough to do a show. That's not, it, a one-off isn't going <laughs> to, a one-off is, is almost insulting. So instead, we launched as an initiative, Black Voices in Cabaret. The roster immediately grew to about 30, 35 people from around the country, actually, but principally in Chicago. Some of the finest, some of the finest singers in town have joined this roster, whether it's Margaret Murphy or Cynthia Clary or Dee Alexander most recently, um, or whatever it it, 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 beca it becomes a home for 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 black singers to to really fight for more recognition the result of which is almost three years later we're seeing the chicago cabaret community whatever that could be called we're seeing it embrace more african-american singers it's it, it's like oh let's not forget evelyn let's not forget ava let's not forget Sean, let's not forget, you know, so it, it, it's, it is helping to do that. It's to create a scene, not to mention that Chicago is where cabaret in the U.S. really got its first solid foothold and it was black led entertainment uh, over a hundred years ago. So it's pulling all of that stuff together. So how much of this do people go, oh, that's working in concert? I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> We're sort of behind the scenes sort of facilitating and making it happen and pushing out the social media and the press releases and the postcards. And um, and there's usually at the bottom, you know, a little logo that says, this is an initiative of working in concert. Mm -hmm. But I think in many respects, it's more important that people say, wonder what Black Voices in Cabaret is up to, or, yeah. you know, the Cabaret Connection is doing in France. So, so it's a, it's a mix. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I can see how there's that challenge of uh, keeping people understanding what working in concert is doing. And it's like you're saying through these initiatives and at the same time, recognizing that if people are, you know, more aware of, oh, Black voices in cabaret and they may not totally you know, uh, highlight working in concert, you're still accomplishing the initiative of getting out these initiatives. Um, is that, is that kind of yeah. right, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Juliana probably can lean in on this one. Yeah. No, I'd love to hear, yeah, about the marketing, um, you know, what, what, what ways have been really helpful to get your name out there, um, and, and educate and share um, more about working in concert? So it's really nice to be the Pharrell sometimes of the behind the scenes and not getting all the credit. Um, it's especially working with many performers and how they interweave together. We are sort of in a unique place in time where opera and cabaret are is almost um, there's a preservation and conservation aspect as well. And so those intimate groups or the afternoon salon community of um, many people being able to make art or have cathartic experience, we really lean a lot into the audience and performer connection, mm -hmm. which is sometimes in the classroom training good audience members, like what mm -hmm. it's like to 
to experience all of the the work and mammoth projects of a large opera or a festival week. And so we um, use our you know, close connections, of course, and other organizations as platforms. And, and really the community is um, such an asset of, of, of all the cultural arts, especially in the Chicago area that are happening right now. One of the things that um, another initiative of ours but we share it with other organizations is Chicago Cabaret Week. And we're now a month away from the first, second annual Chicago Cabaret Week. We, we have this, I don't know if it'll work. Ah. <laughs> yeah, this is, um, it, it's a, it's a 10 day festival and it obviously includes a lot of singers from Black Voices in Cabaret and our Cabaret Connexion, but um, a lot of other singers and a lot of other and and other organizations. So here in Chicago, I founded about 25 years ago, an organization called Chicago Cabaret Professionals, which as a membership organization gathers over 200 cabaret performers and a coterie of friends and fans who support it um, and uh, other types of associates, people who are doing the marketing, people who are doing the, who are the music, sidemen, the musicians. That organization has joined with us and Acts of Kindness Cabaret, which is a very interesting organization. Mm -hmm. It's a not-for-profit that provides cabaret concerts to other not-for-profits as fundraisers. Like if, uh, mm. you know, if a women's yeah, shelter organization wants a big fundraiser, they can have acts of kindness come in and do a show. And wow, I they've love raised, that. in the last 10, 12 years, I think they've raised almost a million dollars. So it's, so it's an interest. So these organizations coming together and other circuits, the, the, the cabaret community, it's interesting. We don't talk about the opera community, but the cabaret community is something that um, Chicago is in trying to relink to its past from the old days, a hundred years ago, when there were 450 cabaret rooms in this town. And wow. Yeah. And you go, how's that? Well, when the aldermen figured it out, they raised the entertainment tax and it went down to about 150 rooms pretty quickly, wow. but it, it, it is a, a kind of community that because of the nature of the performance, because you come away feeling like, you know, the performer, if the performer's done their job, you're going to feel like a best friend by the end of the evening. And I think that intimacy is what, makes it possible to have cabaret community where we don't have even well, you wouldn't say that there's a jazz community it's a jazz scene mm -hmm. you wouldn't say that there's an opera community there's an opera world <laughs> i think there's there's sort of different ways of of creating those those um audience spaces so it changes i think i'm verb. rambling here. i'm so sorry but no it's, it's you hit on something i think is so important that it's, it's a verb like something every like the community can participate in and be part of the experience instead of something um that you observe or yeah expect. yeah and 
so I, I think I did share this. I, I'm a, a vocalist and I perform live with um, a couple groups and I really, it really resonates with me what you're sharing about that connection between the performer and the performance and the audience, because sometimes I have experienced that there sometimes feels like these barriers in a, um, a performance, whether it's the elevation of a stage, the distance from the audience, um, or maybe like the structure of a performance and it's hard to, you know, piece in audience engagement. So I just, I love um, the relationship aspect that you're speaking to that um, develops with uh, cabaret and, and whatnot. And I'm curious, like how, you know, how to bring, you know, what to, like, I'm curious how to bring that more into other performances, you know? Yeah, I think that's good. Um, Sorry, Juliana. It, just, it seems like you're doing that, especially with the podcast too, where lifting up other performers and musicians and bringing them into the conversation and more artists at the table and yeah. more shared voices is exactly like more dynamic storytelling. And yeah. Thank you for that. I so appreciate that. And also the other thing with the podcast that I've really loved that I think is translating into live performances is that like I will share a little bit about myself and whatnot, but always trying to minimize because I really want to keep the spotlight on my guest and their work, you know, which I think is part of like, um, you know, it, that can like, how do I translate that putting that spotlight from the performer to the audience so they can feel involved in like the festivities and, and all that. Mm -hmm. The relationship is perhaps the key and it is what we have a lot of jazz singers who are cabaret performers, but not all jazz singers are cabaret performers because they don't seek that relationship to the audience. The relationship is more to the band itself, to mm -hmm. the, to the improvisation that you know the the game the playing that they're sharing amongst themselves and we've seen some people get rather vociferous about you know I'm not a cabaret singer <laughs> it's like okay because because there's a vulnerability involved that's quite different from being the performer who perhaps uh, needs to be very polished and very practiced mm -hmm. and and per perfected, but is not necessarily having to relate to the audience in that way. On the other hand, we're seeing, particularly amongst classical musicians, we're seeing a real hunger mm -hmm. amongst many of them to talk about the piece that they're going to play and yes. say something about why this piece of music is moving to them or to put it into the context of the moment or whatever. So there's what's been called the classical revolution and there's chapters of it in different towns. Um, my friend Rick Robinson runs cut time players with an eight piece, like an octet that takes symphonic works, reduces them to eight instruments but the whole point of it isn't just the reduction it's that they do it in a tavern or they do it on an outside sidewalk or they do it um, in some other non-typical non-traditional venue so that people who think they 
don't like classical music or don't know what it is, all of a sudden are engaged in this relationship. And it is that. And if, if music has power, it, it's in one way or another about how it enters each of us and socializes. It brings us together. If I'm singing a top 40 tune and it makes me, I know that there's a million other people who are singing it too. It, it puts me in a place where I'm with other people, even if I'm mm-hmm. by myself with my headphones. Um, so I think, but what happens perhaps in a band situation, the, the pyrotechnics of a lot of particularly festival popular music making, it's all about spectacle, <clears throat> which can, again, you're just the observer to it. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're the enthusiastic observer to it. And you're shouting and, you know, making all sorts of noise. Your relationship now is to the tribe of people that you're part of in the audience, but not necessarily the performers on stage. It, it, it's, it, I think there's a different dynamic for that, you know, for the arena shows, for the big concerts where you're part of now a tribe. Your identity is I'm into punk, I'm into metal, I'm into hip hop of a certain sort. I mean, there's all the sub labels, right? Um, so then the question is, what is your relationship to the performer? And I, I love seeing opera singers figure out how to relate to their audience whilst in character, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a story going, there's theater, there's stuff mm-hmm. going on. How do you embrace that relationship? So, I love that. That's so beautiful. Um, well, as we're nearing the end of the podcast, I'd love to hear um, about your vision for the future. Where do you see working in concert in the next year or beyond? Well, we have some major projects still to, to do. The operas that we produced in the last two years, the first one was the result of the pandemic and our inability to have a live performance. Christine created the libretto for On Call COVID-19, and it was performed by six opera singers, each in their own individual home. The story of six medical workers confronting COVID, each in a different place in the world. And it's a really moving, wonderful one-hour opera. And it is doable. We've now seen Roosevelt University perform it as a live opera. And it had the same sort of impact on the audience and on the student performers. So that's still in the works for being marketed out to other opera companies and other universities. It was the first of our Transcendence series, Tales of Transcendence, stories of human beings transcending the human, the divides of one sort or another. The second one is called Future Perfect, and that one was our grand production. We had 31 people in the cast, including 10, 11 young people, and based on writings from young people. Um, looking for how to create their own future, a better future, one that's not so afraid, one that steps outside of the borders. So that opera um, we successfully produced last June. And the the, the 
third and fourth operas have already been conceived and li libretto has been partially written for Outside the Ring, the story of Joe Lewis and Max Schmeling, their bouts and their friendship. Um, because one represented so-called American democracy while being a victim of Jim Crow and the other representing the Nazis on the rise. And their bouts were political <laughs> propaganda as well as actual boxing. And afterwards, Max Schmeling approached Joe Lewis greatly chagrined or ashamed of his past being used by the Nazis in the way that he was. And they became very, very close friends. So the opera is about how they transcended this divide. And the other one will be called Reconciliation and is based on um, or is inspired by the South African Truth and Reconciliation Commissions after apartheid and a story that may or may not have actually taken place. We're not sure if it's urban myth, but of a, the mother of a, a victim of apartheid embracing the man who murdered her son. And um, so there's, so those are the big opera projects. Uh, we'll continue to do our Cabaret Connexion. We'll be in France in 23. We'll be back in Chicago in 24. It, the idea is to every other year be in one or the other. But there's talk now. There are folks in London who want us to do something there. We'll have to see, you know, and maybe maybe we'll find some other cities. Shall we come to Seattle, you know, <laughs> to, to do the connection? But in any case, it's it it is part of just continuing to find and build new audiences. Wonderful. And we have won some national awards for some of this, and we're really excited about it because we're young and we won the Black Voices in Cabaret won a first prize for the American Prize for virtual performance. And those performances can still be seen on the Black Voices in Cabaret website, um, as can the on-call COVID-19 opera. Wonderful. Um, it sounds like there's just so many uh, beautiful projects underway or have gone. Um, and thank you so much for sharing that. And before we go, I'd love for you to also share how people can be connected with working concert or um, how they could stay connected with either of you or anything else um, you'd like to share about the company that I might not have asked. Well, workinginconcert.org um, is the website that then it invites you to explore all the initiatives. Each of them has their own website address, but you know, start in with workinginconcert.org and you can explore all of the others. Um, I'm Claudia at workinginconcert.org, Juliana at workinginconcert.org. Keep it simple. And, and watch the love. on call COVID work for world's first Zoom opera at Working in Concert on YouTube, where a number of our other projects are being built as well. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, for those listening, definitely. Oh, yes. I was going to just say, uh, given that Juliana is our social media coordinator, we have an Instagram account. We have um, a Facebook. We have several Facebook pages and groups for each of the initiatives. But if you go to face to face stories at um, at Facebook, you'll you'll find the first one and link in. And we would love for people to like and share and do all of those good things. But the important thing is get out and sing, get out and share, go out and 
be in the audience because we can't do it without the audience. Oh my gosh, I totally, I, that very much so resonates with me. Um, and there's just something so special about live performances, being part of it and really like, you know, not just the live performance, but getting to share that with new people you're meeting or people you love and just getting to talk about it afterward and all those fun things that a, a real uh, life experience um, uh, offers. But um, just want to, uh, you know, once again, say definitely visit their website and see them on their social media, shoot them an email. And as uh, Juliana was sharing, check out their YouTube channel so you can get um, a video glimpse of some of the projects that they've done, including the uh, the the Zoom. Um, can you tell me the title of it again? On Call COVID-19. <clears throat> the Zoom On Call COVID-19 video. Um, but Claudia and Juliana, thank you so much for your time and for sharing with us about the work uh, working in concert is doing and all the initiatives that you are developing and supporting and, um, you know, just some behind the scenes of cabaret and opera. And uh, yes, just thank you both so much. Our thank pleasure. you. All the best and break a leg. Thank you. <laughs>